Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, I'm Trent Rush. This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels and 66ers baseball. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. I'm Tori Hunter Jr. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. Hey, what's going on? This is Daniel from the All Angels Podcast. Um, another kind of double week, a double episode week. Uh, this week, last week we had our regular podcast, and then the Brandon Marsh interview. This week, um, kind of the same. You know, we already we should have just posted the regular week, and now it's our bonus uh, episode. Where if you pay attention to us on Instagram and on Twitter, that's Halo underscore Haven. Um, you saw that we had an interview that I did an interview with Rhett Bollinger of MLB.com, the beat writer for the Angels. So um, this is that podcast. So hopefully you liked the interview. Um, it was really cool to talk to someone that's really, you know, kind of like what we do with uh, all the other beat writers. They're, they're, they're there every day. They see the players. They see, um, you know, what's going on day to day. So it's really cool to talk um, to Red and then any kind of beat writer we get. But before I get to that interview, summer is the best time of the year. We're talking vacation, the beach, lots of fun, and, of course, sports. While you're sipping on your favorite beverage by the pool, why not get a little action on the games? Whether you like MLB, MMA, golf, or anything else, MyBookie is the place to bet. Their mobile site is easy to use and allows you to make bets from anywhere. No hustle, no waiting in line, no need to get off the couch. Now is the perfect time to refresh that bank account after that vacation and to make sure you've got plenty of bankroll for the upcoming football season. Maybe you want to drop a futures bet on next year's NBA champion or back your favorite player to win the Heisman Trophy. MyBookie wants you to have as much fun as possible this summer summer, and what's more fun than winning money while watching sports. Just visit MyBookie.ag today to get started. Then try your luck try your luck at outsmarting the odds makers. But wait, if you deposit with promo code ANGELS, MyBookie will give you 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code ANGELS. At my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. So, like I said, here's my interview with Rhett Bollinger of MLB.com. I hope you'll enjoy it. All right, my next guest on the All Angels podcast is the MLB uh, beat reporter for the Angels, Rhett Bollinger. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this is a this is kind of a good time to have you on. You know, as we record this uh, a Thursday early early afternoon, this is the halfway point of the Angels season. So I figured it was a great time to have you on. 
Um, kind of going back a little bit, though, this last weekend in St. Louis with Albert making his first return since, you know, signing with the Angels, and you were there. Can you talk about the um, kind of maybe the excitement beforehand and obviously the uh, the applause and the standing ovation that he ended up getting on all three of the games? Yeah, it really was a pretty amazing weekend. I mean, to see Albert get that much love from the fans, I mean, it was incredible to see him getting standing ovation every single time he had an at-bat. Uh, it was a really cool gesture. Those fans there are pretty amazing. Um, you know, Yadier Molina, you can see how much of a relationship he has with, with Pujols, allowing them to do that. And also, you know, the hug the first time. And the home run was awesome, too, to see that. You know, obviously, it really, in the grand scheme of things, in terms of the game, you know, it was 4 nothing when he hit it. But just, uh, you know, the crowd reaction, the standing ovation, the tipping the cap, uh, you know, you never really see that everywhere, anywhere, really. I mean, I've never really seen a guy ever have, you know, really a homecoming like that ever. I mean, you know, you don't really see too many guys get – same ovations from the opposing crowd. I think that the big thing was, I think it helped that, you know, it, it's been a long time since he last played there. You know, it, you know, he signed with the Angels, as you know, back before 2012. So it's, it's been a kind of a long time. So I think some of the, the bitterness from some of the fans that might have been mad that he left was kind of gone. Um, so I think at this point, there was a little bit just more all love. There was really no negativity, which was cool. So, yeah, I mean, I've been covering baseball for, a, you know, a decent amount of time now. And that was one of the cooler, you know, regular season series I've ever seen because, I mean, it was – a really awesome atmosphere, and you can tell uh, Pools is really happy to be a part of it. What was your, I guess, anticipation going into that series? You know, were you expecting something like that? Because my co-host and I, we were talking about it leading up to it. We are kind of expecting, yes, he's going to get standing ovation. Yes, everyone's going to, you know, tip their cap to him. But once the game starts, kind of go back to just being a normal fan. But it seems like they were at pool holes to the fans the whole, the whole weekend, not just at the beginning. Were you anticipating that, or uh, what were your thoughts going into it? Yeah, I didn't think it would be to that extent you're right. I thought maybe, you know, that first at-bat for sure, and they kind of give him nice applause the other at-bats. I didn't know there would be, like, a crazy standing ovation every single at-bat. I mean, and it would have went on, too. I mean, if it weren't for Yadier and the pitchers kind of, and even pools and okay, you know, let's get to baseball, those, you know, those cheers would have never stopped in a sense. So, um, yeah, I and mean, it surprised me just how passionate. You know, I hadn't been to St. Louis in a while. After I covered the 2011 uh, AL, or sorry, NLCS, the Brewers versus the Cardinals, um, and so, but I, so I hadn't been to a regular season Cardinals game before, so it was just cool to see how the fans, just how passionate they are, and so yeah, it definitely surprised me just how much of it, you know, there was, and yeah, it was pretty just incredible to see, uh, just, you know, for a visiting player, you know, just, just that much applause was just insane. So now kind of moving forward now to uh, yesterday, uh, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday, uh, yeah, afternoon, Otani threw his first bullpen session um, since coming off of Tommy John, um, any word on how he's feeling? I obviously had a great game that night, so obviously he's feeling okay. But as far as his arm, anything, um, any new news coming back, how he feels the day afterwards? I haven't heard anything today yet about how he felt, but we talked to him yesterday after the throwing session, um, and he felt fine. And after the game, he talked to the Japanese media, said everything went well too. So uh, you got to figure that everything was fine. I mean, he was only throwing, he said it like 50%, which, you know, it's probably not quite true. He's probably throwing a little harder than that. But, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about that. I mean, even right now, I think he's going to throw again off a mound on Saturday, I believe, a couple more days. And he'll kind of build up from there. But as, as you know, he's not going to pitch this year, you know, anyway. So it's kind of one of those things where he'll kind of continue to ramp it up. Um, but, yeah, everything went well with that. He threw, you know, a decent amount of pitches. He threw about 40 pitches off the mound. Wasn't throwing, uh, you know, full intensity, but still a good sign. And, you know, I, I think that he's totally fine right now. And as you saw it, 
obviously it didn't affect his offense. He had a huge night offensively. Yeah, it was a great night for uh, the Angels in general that night. Um, talk about now another guy coming back from Tommy John, uh, J.C. Ramirez. He just got extended. They agreed to extend him another week um, to rehab. Um, have and I might have missed it. Have they said his role when he does come back, whether it will be a starter or kind of maybe what they end up doing with uh, Cahill last night? It's a good question. Yeah, they haven't said yet. Um, so right now, as you said, like he was supposed. To, I thought he was going to come back as soon as this Friday because that's when his you know original extension or sorry his original rehab was supposed to come to a close. Uh, but they didn't extend it because he's coming off Tommy John. You can do that. Um, so yeah, as of right now, they're going to continue to kind of start him down there keep him stretched out. Um, but truthfully, so far, he hasn't really pitched that well down there. I think he's given up like 17 runs and 17 innings. So I think right now the big thing will be for him is kind of now it's going to be a little bit more performance-based too, where he's, we know he's kind of getting a little bit more, uh, you know, healthy from the Tommy John. It's been, what, like 16 months now or so. So it's been a little while. So I, I think now it's just a matter of him kind of pitching well at AAA, and then he could be activated. And I think it would be kind of based on need. There's definitely a chance he could come up and, and – and, start and maybe replace a guy like you know Pena or we could see him yeah as a reliever too kind of like Cahill so at least there's options there you know Ramirez has been a good pitcher in the past it's just sometimes it's hard to get that command uh, coming back to Tommy John right away so I think right now they're trying to just kind of fix that in the minor league so that he can pitch a little better uh, when he does come up. Um, yeah so that was one of them and I guess another return that is hopefully you know a couple days away is uh, Andleton Simmons just got done with the rehab start on Tuesday night at Inland Empire. Um, wasn't activated Wednesday. Don't know, you know, by the time this airs on Friday, he could be activated. Not sure. But um, in his return, who do you believe is, is the odd man out? Because between Renjifo, um, obviously LaStella and the, the all-star cal- uh, caliber year he's having right now, and Fletcher making great plays, all um, offense and defense, who do you believe is going to be the odd man out when uh, on his return? Yeah, I think it's very interesting. I do think that Anderson Simmons could be back as soon as, as Thursday night. Um, tonight, really, so I, I think it's getting really close here. Um, I was interested to see that it was, Wolf, you know, it was Tovar who was DFA and it was not Renjifo who was optioned, just because, like I said, there's going to be, you know, kind of five infielders now, you know, trying to get those at bat in terms of the fact that you have, you know, you have Fletcher and you have Lestella in that mix, and now you have Simmons, and then, you know, you got to find a way to get Renjifo at bat because, you know, as a rookie, he's going to need those for his development and also just for his production. Um, but they feel like they can get him enough at bat. I think right now they're realizing that Fletcher and Lestella, for as good as they've been, they've played almost every day. And really in the past, they haven't really been like everyday players throughout the course of a, you know, a full major league season before. So I think they're kind of realizing maybe it'd be smart to kind of have Renhebo up here to kind of have like a little bit of a mix where he'll start some days at second, some at short, move him around, kind of have, you know, give some days off here to Fletcher and Lestella based on matchups. And even when Simmons comes back, I think coming off the you know the ankle injury, he'll have some days off here and there. So uh, they feel like they can kind of rotate those guys around enough to get them consistent at bat. That's kind of the plan, uh, kind of going forward. And and talking about Tommy Lestella, obviously, again, like I said, we're recording this um, Thursday afternoon, so the the All Star voting closes in I think like three four hours. So by the time this airs, he could be the starting All Star second baseman. But is he the surprise of the Angels for the first half of the season? I would think so. I mean, it's pretty amazing, you know, a guy that. I traded for, I thought, you know, you know, a smart move as a backup guy that could play from second and third in his past. He's always been a guy that got on base pretty well, a good situational hitter. I think last year led the majors in like, you know, pinch hits. So he was kind of more of like a role player his whole career. I thought at least he's a solid one at that. 
Um, and sure enough, you know, totally proved us wrong where his power surge just come out of nowhere. Um, you know, coming into the year, uh, you know, he only had 10 home runs in his entire career in five seasons, you know, and now, you know, he's already up to 16. So uh, it's pretty amazing. Definitely to me, it's definitely the biggest surprise, especially if we were to win as a starting second baseman. Um, and I think even if he doesn't, I mean, I know last I saw DJ LeMahieu was winning. Um, so there's still a chance, even if he doesn't win it, that he could still be voted on by the players or added to that roster just because uh, he's had a good season. And also because he does have some, you know, versatility that he could play second or third if he was an all-star um, added to the team. But, uh, yeah, I mean, really it's incredible. And you see the Cubs fans, too, how passionate they are because you got to figure they have probably a role in how well he did in the voting. But um, I think just casual fans, too, just in general this year, kind of realized, wait, how is, you know, Tom Oxell having a year like this? So, uh, to me, it is pretty amazing and definitely the, the biggest surprise for sure. Yeah, Tommy, definitely a big surprise. If you had to kind of summarize the Angels' first half in general, what, what, how would you summarize it? Well, it's one of those ones where there was definitely a lot of injuries, I guess. It's kind of the, the first team for sure. Um, you know, that's kind of one of the big issues with, uh, you know, having guys like Upton get hurt right away. And, you know, you lost Simmons for a while. You've had injuries. To, you know, Heaney was out for a while, Tawny for a month. So I think it was just kind of about weathering those injuries. And they, they did a decent job of that. You know, some guys stepped in pretty well. Goodwin for a while did pretty well there for Upton. And, you know, we've seen what Fletcher and LaStella have done. Um, but the pitching is kind of, as you know, you know, the, the free agent signings, Harvey, Cahill, you know, and Allen all did not work out at all. Um, so the fact that they were actually above 500, you know, was pretty solid for all they had gone through in a sense. Because um, you knew what you are going to get from Trout. He's the best player in baseball. He's always going to, you know, just have incredible years like he is. So he obviously helps that team a lot, but you know, right now at 41 and 40, it, it kind of seems like that's kind of what they are, but I think second half, they could be better because I think they're more healthy now. Um, and I think the guys like, you know, I'm, I've been impressed by Griffin Canning. Um, I think Suarez has got a chance to be pretty good too. He's just really young. Um, so there's some intrigue for sure. And I do think that going forward, I think it's a positive outlook. Um, it's just going to be hard right now seeing if they can catch any of those teams for that wild card spot. That might be a little tough because, uh, you know, they are a little bit out of it, but only a few games right now. Um, and the, or, sorry, the Astros have fallen back, fallen back a little bit, but I, I'd be very surprised if they were to kind of catch them. But for me, I think this has kind of been about injuries in the first half, trying to overcome them. And I think the second half, hopefully for their sake, is more about overcoming those injuries and not having as many of those to deal with. Yeah, kind of like projecting to the, first, to the second half. Um, the next big thing, I guess, after the All-Star game would be the trade deadline. And this year, um, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it's one solid deadline, no... Trade waivers or anything exactly. like that. So nothing in August. Yeah, it just, just ends July thirty first. Yep. So with that in mind, do you anticipate the Angels to be a mover at all? Like whether it's, I mean, you saw the um, Kinsler deal last year that you get Butchery in. So you know something like that, or or do you see um, them just holding pat to what they have? Yeah, that's a good question. You're right, and that was a great trade for them. It's kind of like a kind of under the radar type trade. That, you know, Kinsler wasn't having it that great of a year. We've seen Butchery turn into the best reliever on the team. So that kind of move can really be really helpful, especially considering a guy like that's under control for so long, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't see them making any major trades. I mean, they could. Hit, so if they kind of fall off, you know, in July and, and out of it, maybe they could make a trade kind of like that. I just don't know which guy they would – on their roster is really coming out of the – you know, no one's really at a pending phrase, and they could flip like that right now that I could think of. Um, and if they were to trade for some help, I think it would probably be – Maybe a little bit of pitching help, maybe a starter or a reliever, um, more than anything else on the position player side. Um, but yeah, even then, I wouldn't see them being that aggressive. So uh, I, I think that 
it's probably not going to be a very exciting deadline for the, for the Angels, but I think if they're really in it, they'll probably look for a reliever they can kind of add into their bullpen. And if not, I mean, I, so just looking at the roster veteran-wise, um, you know, there's not really that many guys that the team is really interested in, like a Jonathan Luke Roy, but even that, I, I would be surprised. There's not that many guys that are really kind of coming off the last year that deals would be kind of veterans that could just sell off to a contending team. So this is kind of more of an MLB general question, but do you think that one solid deadline, like you said, um, is going to help movement at the trade deadline, or do you think more teams will hold on to what they have because they are there's still a long time between you know then and the end of the season where they might hold on and try to make a run with what they have? I think the hope is it's going to maybe make some more moves just because you know teams have to know that you know before you kind of hold on to a guy and, and, and make that trade in August. We've seen some big trades in August in the past. Like, you know, I think Verlander was an August trade. You know, we've seen that even the Dodgers make some big ones in the past, too. I think that big one the way back with, like, Adrian Gonzalez and those guys was an August trade. So, they used to happen. But now, I think, now there's going to be more pressure for front offices to be like, hey, we've got to know where we're going to be on July 31st because after that, you know, there's no going back. So, I, I think that I think teams that are, you know, out of it, I think this year, too, I think there's just more clear – buyers and sellers too just because there are some teams that are just clearly trying to I don't know if tanks the right word but clearly not trying to win and trying to you know trying to build up draft picks and, and assets so I think there'll be some clear sellers too so I, I'm curious to see how it goes but I do think the hope at least from MLB would be there's more more trades there and more of a frenzy just because teams know this is the last chance they have to add whatever they need yeah that's something that's for me personally is really going to be interesting to see um, coming in the next you know few months um, you know, some talk around baseball now, um, nets being extended. I think, you know, there's about three or four teams that have, um, said that their future plans, uh, they, they are going to extend nets. Um, have the angels had any kind of even preliminary talks about them extending nets at all, or they have not really touched the subject? They've had some internal talks about it. Um, nothing really too much in the public yet. Um, I think at this point I wouldn't be surprised if MLB maybe again after the year, ask teams to just have it go down the further down the line just because we've seen truthfully a couple more, you know, I think Bellinger hit, you know, a young kid or a youngster in the face recently. And I think yesterday ESPN had a story about a, an Astro, a girl got hit yep. off by an Astros player, the fractured skull. So, and I was in New York actually covering the twins when, uh, you know, I think I forget what player it was hit, hit a line drive, sending hit a little kid in the stands. That was the one that kind of put everything over the top for the, just the netting over the dugout. So, um, it, it stinks because obviously fans, you want to be able to get foul balls, you want to be able to get balls from the players thrown to you. Um, but safety at the end of the day, you know, it's just like you have to keep these people safe. And people always say, oh, well, get off your cell phone. But I don't care if you're on your cell phone or not. Some of those foul balls guys hit, you know, with exit velocities of 100 miles per hour. I don't care who you are, even if you're a player sitting in the stands, covering your face in time and, and doing that, it's, you know, especially for a kid, it's not their fault. So I, I think that the tough thing is you want to have the best access to the field and, and the best sight lines. But at the end of the day, especially for the kids' sake and everything else, I think safety should trump it. And, and truthfully, I mean, the, the Nets nowadays, too, they're so see-through and so thin, you don't really even notice it. Um, but I do think MLB at the end of the year probably have a, more of a talk with all the teams and see if they do something more uniform down the line. But uh, the Angels haven't done anything yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if they do next step or next season. All right, so, you know, going forward – season view i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ask you whether to say the angels get to this point or not but what kind of record do you think they will need to make the wild card well that's a good question i mean i think i think probably 
The second wild card, probably high 80s in wins. I don't think it's going to be in the 90s right now. I think it's going to be kind of a battle between teams like the, you know, the Red Sox, Indians, um, and the Rangers really have, have done a nice job of being in that race right now too. The A's are still in that mix, but we know that, you know, they've had the, you know, the Frankie Mockoff, you know, suspension certainly hurt, hurts them a lot. So, yeah, I would think that probably high 80s for that second wild card, um, potentially into the low 90s, but um, but at least historically the last couple of years it's been more like high 80s for that second wild card. Um, teams have taken that spot sometimes. Um, and the Rays have fallen off a little bit recently, so they're in that mix too. I think they're leading the, the first wild card right now. But I, I would think high 80s, low 90s. Yeah, that's kind of where we were thinking, too, coming into the season. Um, so normally what we like to do with our guests, especially when it's the first time on, um, trying to get, you know, get to know them a little more with the baseball. So my question for you um, would be, what is your first memory of baseball, whether it's going to a game, watching it on TV growing up, or anything like that? That's a good question. I mean, yeah, wow. Um, man, I was around baseball a lot growing up. I, I loved it. Um, my family, truthfully, I guess, this is an Angels podcast, but truthfully, growing up, in, I grew up in Glendora in L.A. County, so I, I, was, a, I was a Dodger fan growing up. Um, but as a kid, we used to go with my great-grandpa. I was lucky enough to have my great-grandpa still alive. So my great-grandpa and my dad and I, and, and sometimes my grandpa too, although my grandpa, my dad's dad was an Angel fan, which is funny. But uh, we would go to Dodger games a lot growing up. And so I think, I can't remember my first game. It would have been, you know, I was a big Mike Piazza fan back then. I remember seeing Ralph Monty home run when I was really young. I think that was really cool. Um, Nomo was a, a really cool year for me. And then I loved playing Little League. You know, as soon as I was old enough, as soon as I was five, I was playing Little League and playing in Glendora. Um, so, yeah, I mean, baseball, too, has been part of my life. Because I could pretty much walk. I was always throwing a ball around. And my dad and grandpa and everybody else were such big baseball fans. It was just always something I always did and played. And like I said, I was more of a Dodger fan growing up. But I certainly followed the Angels enough, too. And I remember when Tim Salmon was the rookie of the year, the same year that Mike Piazza was. And I think that was pretty cool as a seven-year-old. So, uh, yeah, I definitely got it was around baseball a lot growing up. And you said you're from Glendora, and years previous you have covered the Twins, Minnesota Twins. So when you got, you know, your assignment saying that you're coming back home to cover the Angels, how was that, and and, and how was the family reaction? Oh, it was incredible. It was really awesome. So I said I grew up in Glendora, you know, went to Damien High School out in Laverne, and went to USC, and then uh, so I covered the Angels actually back in 2008 as an intern, and then 2009 and 10 I was the backup out here, uh, covering Dodgers, Angels, visiting teams, features. In 2011, I was, uh, you know, I got the, the Twins beat. It was a big step up for me, so I moved to Minnesota for eight seasons, covering the Twins from 2011 to 2018. So, yeah, this past off season, I was actually home visiting some family when I got a call from MLB, uh, basically essentially telling me that, you know, this was in, in late November, right before the winter meetings, that, uh, you know, this at the opening had come up and they wanted me to, to fill it and to come home and to cover the Angels. And, yeah, the reaction was, you know, I was so happy to be able to come back home and, my parents and grandparents and everybody else were just thrilled to death and aunts and uncles and sister and her husband and my niece and nephew. So, yeah, so it's just exciting. You know, I, you know, I think about the off season, I was able to come home, you know, for Christmas and, and Thanksgiving over the years, but now to be home fully around the family is really nice, you know, growing up here, uh, you know, a lot of friends and family are out here and, and it's fun. You know, it's, you know, I said I had a prior relationship with, with the angels. I, I enjoyed covering them, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, it was a fun team to cover, especially in 2008 when I was an intern. I was a team that won, you know, I think 100 games and, you know, was an incredible team. Um, so I was, I was very familiar with the organization. Uh, I knew their PR staff well, including Tim Mead, who's now, you know, left for the, the Hall of Fame, which yeah, is pretty awesome. Um, so, yeah, it was just an exciting time for me. I really, you know, for a couple of years, you know, for a little while, truthfully, 
you know, I'd, I'd always kind of in my head, I always wanted to kind of, I got to that point where I kind of wanted to come back at some point. I loved Minnesota. I loved Minneapolis. I loved living there. The twins are great to me. It was a fun team to cover. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I wanted to be home and it, it happened and it was really awesome to get that chance. And, and so far it's been, uh, you know, awesome to see Mike Trout play every day and to see the stuff with Pujols this year was incredible too. So uh, yeah, it's fun to be back home for sure. Now the guys that we do the I do the podcast with we collect whether it's you know signed balls bobbleheads all the kind of stadium giveaways. Do you collect anything whether it's um, inside outside of uh, sports? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I've got a ton of ton of sports memorabilia for sure. I mean, the nice thing about covering games is they give you usually like the you know the bobblehead of, the, the, of that day. So um, you know, I've got a lot of twin stuff like that too. But truthfully, growing up, my dad and family saw a lot of Dodger fans, so. Got a lot of you know bobbleheads from those games as well, but a lot of Angels ones. And then autograph-wise, as a play, you know as a, as a reporter, you can't get autographs in terms of like you know asking for them right, or yep. it's just kind of taboo. It's kind of like, but I still have just a lot just from in general being around the game. So I've got a good, I've got a cool Mike Trout one, and got Kershaw, and you know I got you know Mauer stuff from being in Minnesota and just things like that and. Some cool ones and some Vince Scully stuff, which is cool. And I had a chance obviously, to meet him back in the day when he was still doing Dodgers, which is really cool. And yeah, even growing up, I, you know, I was a big Mark McGuire fan because Mark McGuire went to, you know, Damien High School the same time as my dad, actually. So I've got a couple nice. McGuire autograph balls in the house and that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, I've got a pretty good collection of some Hall of Famers and, and Cal Ripken, I think. And um, so, yeah, it's pretty cool to kind of collect all that kind of stuff. And, and I still have. When I was a kid, I saw a lot of ticket subs from the games I went to and uh, all sorts of things. The baseball cards, too. I've got an entire, you know, kind of bucket of uh, baseball cards so I should go through more. And, and also some in some binders that are more, that at least at the time I thought were more, uh, you know, kind of cooler baseball cards. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely kind of established a pretty cool collection of baseball stuff over the years for sure. That's really cool because, yeah, we have – our collection and we put it together and it's pretty much like a garage full with all of the three of us that do the podcast. But, um, That's awesome. you, you, you know, you're, you're, you grew up a fan of baseball and now you're writing for MLB.com. What was your first like, wow moment where you, you know, whether it's walking into a clubhouse or going to, you know, some kind of event and you're thinking like, wow, this is, this is really crazy. Yeah, I think for me in 2008, just walking into that clubhouse for the first time, you know, I, the thing that was cool about going to USC when I went there was that I was there kind of for the peak of, like, their football kind of Okay, Pete powers, Carroll, you know, the Pete Carroll years? Like, yeah, I was there for Pete Carroll and, you know, the Matt Leinart, Reggie Bush years. So I was kind of around, like, kind of, even though they were college players at the time, they are kind of considered big stars. That kind of helped me kind of at least, like, kind of not get so starstruck. But I remember going to the Angels clubhouse for the first time, you know, never been in an MLB clubhouse, didn't know what to expect. I think the first player I ever interviewed, interviewed actually was Kelvin Escobar, who was coming off an injury at the time. But uh, the person that really made me feel comfortable, though, and really helped me was Torrey Hunter. Uh, from pretty much from day one, Torrey Hunter was so good to me that he made me feel comfortable and made me feel like I belonged in that clubhouse as a reporter. Um, but I think the first time I ever really kind of got that starstruck feeling was I, I, that rookie year, the Yankees came into town and they actually had me cover the Yankees. So I think just having to go into that clubhouse and interview A-Rod and interview Jeter and those kind of guys, I think that was the first time where I was just like, wow, kind of getting starstruck by those kind of guys. But, um, but yeah, and even, even covering the, I did the, um, the next year I did the All-Star game at Anaheim. And that one, one too, was one of the ones where just like every player there and all the Hall of Famers that show up, you're just like, oh, my God, I cannot believe it. Kind of pinch yourself. You said someone that's you know, such a fan of the game growing up to see it all and then to be a part of it now and, and, and to, you know, meet so many people that you grew up watching, 
to interview them and, and develop relationships with a lot of people like that too um, is really cool. I mean, over the years, I probably interviewed or met probably close to 20 Hall of Famers at least. I mean, so it's pretty cool that you'd be able to kind of, a, a game that you love so much, kind of now get to be a part of it and kind of document the history of it in a sense as a reporter. Yeah, I mean, I've always said you guys, you know, whether reporters or even we've talked to, like, Victor Rojas and Gooby, like, that job to me is just, like, crazy. Like, that seems just like a lot of fun. Um, kind of going with your job, what are, like, the best and worst uh, parts of the job? Well, the best, obviously, is the fact that you get to watch so much baseball and be around it um, and, you know, be able to like, develop relationships with people in the game, whether it's people that work as executives or players, too. Um, and kind of just, to, just just for the effect of trying to you know know as much as you can about the game and try to read as much as you can. I mean, the, the downside of it is obviously it's, it's a lot of nights and it's a lot of weekends. Um, it's a lot of travel. Um, I enjoy traveling, but you know if you have young you know young family, which I, I don't currently, but if you have you know young kids, it's very difficult because you know you're on the road so much. And even spring training is you know six weeks where you're kind of away from home for a long chunk of time. Um, so that's kind of one of the things that kind of can be tough is just all the travel because it is such a long season. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's a job where people don't – it is because it is fun and because it is a, a cool job to have. It's, you know, people don't like to hear you complain in a sense. So really there's not that much – it's just more of the, it's just kind of the grind that it can be a little bit. But at the same time, you know, you know the players are going through it too, and it's, it's, it's kind of fun to see how, you know, a long season plays out. And, yeah, just being around, you know, being able to do – I've done a lot of playoff series in the past too where they've – sent me even when the twins didn't go and just cool to see the, the fans and just, you know, how excited they get. And but even this past you know, weekend in St. Louis, just shows you the passion from the fans and, you know, and it's something that I always had too. So it's cool to be a part of that and to write about it and kind of capture it and to not just see it, but to be able to go down there and ask Albert, you know, what was it like and be able to ask whatever you want of him and then write your own story and come up with it, your own angle. It's just fun for me. I always, I've always, I guess growing up, I always really enjoyed, you know, Sports more than anything, but also as I got to high school, realized I started to, I, to like that I, I like to write. And so I realized kind of late in my high school career when I stopped playing baseball that how can I stay in sports but, like, you know, make a career out of it? I said, well, I like writing, so I'll try to see a sports writer and tried it out at USC. I did a lot of football and basketball there when they were kind of at their heyday and it helped me get a little bit of exposure. And sure enough, you know, I said I've been at MLB.com now since 2008. So it's been, you know, it's been over 10 years gone by super fast but uh yeah definitely been a fun ride for sure yeah that that sounds like it'd be a fun ride going to a, a big program like usc and like you like you said in their heyday when the football team was all over the news um so here's some things from baseball i want to get your opinions on bat flip no bat flip oh bat flip for sure yeah definitely i mean at this point don't give up a home run if you don't want to see a bat flip. <laughs> we i agree with you 100 percent. shift or no shift uh, I'm for shifting in a sense, if that's what the data says, you know, but I'm curious to see if hitters ever, how they adapt to it. Cause it's not as easy as everyone says in terms of, Oh, just hit the ball the other way or, Oh, just bunt it. That's not the players. You know, that's not their game. I know these power hitters, their games hit the ball over the fence. So I'm, I'm, I'm for shifting. I don't know that I'm, I, I don't think they should just ban the shift, but I am curious to see if hitters ever do adapt or what kind of happens. But um, for now, I, I think that if, you know, there's no rules against it. I don't think there should be any, any right now yet either. All right, and I'll let you go on this last one because you've been more than generous with your time. Your walk-up song and why? Ooh, I was always partial. The one I liked when I was in Minnesota, Byron Buxton had Return of the Mac. I always liked that song. So I don't know why I always liked that song for some reason. Um, so whenever he had that one, I was like, oh, man, that's a, good, that's a good jam. I was always 
jealous. Of that. Also, the one I also liked a lot too was uh, Aaron Hicks when he was with the Twins at California Love. Um, and I know now it's kind of more of a Kenley type thing right there, but that one too as a Californian, I guess, especially when I was in Minnesota, I always was partial to that because I was so, even though I was always in Minnesota, I was always a Southern California or an LA kid at heart for sure. So uh, definitely like Return of the Mac or, or California Love, I guess, is probably my. Uh, my two jams for sure if I were coming up to the plate. Nice. That, that's cool to know. Um, where can people see your stuff? Uh, go ahead and, your, you know, your Twitter account and all that stuff. Yeah, my Twitter account is at Rhett Bollinger, uh, R-H-E-T-T-B-O-L-L-I-N-G-E-R. Uh, all my work's at angels.com, uh, you know, uh, MLB.com, but on the Angels website, uh, pretty much everything I, I write's on there. Um, you know, I think we, in, the, in the off season we do more of a podcast, not so much during the season. I'll try to promote that a little bit more in the offseason when that starts up again. Uh, I have a Facebook page I don't use as much. I put some of my stories on, but mostly it's going to be my, my Twitter account, Rep Bollinger, and then, yeah, link to articles there and tweet about the games, that kind of stuff, and then all, all my actual work is on angels.com. Awesome, man. Thank you very much for taking time out and, and, and talking to us and, and uh, just talking Angels baseball. No problem. Yeah, anytime. That was really fun. Anytime, honestly, that was a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you. So? That was our, my episode, uh, my interview with Red Bollinger. Um, great guy. Hopefully, you know, we can get him back again, future um, podcasts, interviews, maybe closer to when the season's over. We can review it. If it gets close to a, uh, you know, wild card chase, it'd be awesome to have him on and see how everything's going, especially if any kind of trade deadline thing moves around. But we'll see how that goes. But I just want to thank him again. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. Um, get it alerts because you know if you want to know what's going on as soon as it happens definitely the best way to do that is get alerts on his Twitter feed and then as soon as he posts something you'll get the alert right to your phone or mobile device it's the best way to do it that's how I do it so before we go I like to take a second to introduce our newest friends from SeatGeek let them take the confusion out of your ticket buying experience instead of shopping dozens of sites to find the best deals let SeatGeek do the work for you their app scans the web for the best deals to your favorite game, concert, or show and rates them on a scale of 0 to 10 to let you know if you're getting the best bang for your buck. A green dot makes great deals, yellow dot means good deals, and a red dot, not so good deals. Use promo code ACAA at checkout to receive $20 off your first purchase. That's two free beers at the stadium on them. What are you waiting for? That's promo code ACAA for $20 off your first purchase. Seat Geek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. So again, thank you very much. Um, we'll keep on trying to get these uh, interviews out and rolling to you guys. Um, the more you enjoy them, the more we'll do them. So again, um, like it, love it, whatever. One write a review. Make sure you do that on iTunes. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Halo underscore Haven. All that good stuff. Uh, we'll be back next week. And we will be recording on the 4th of July, very patriotic of us, I know. But, you know, that's probably the best time to do it. So until we uh, post again, thanks again for subscribing and listening to the All Angels Podcast.
Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.